I remember coming home from elementary school one day and going to the backyard and not seeing my miniature schnauzer, Jeepers, anywhere. My little brother and I searched everywhere, the breezeway, side gate, and eventually thought he might have ran away. So I called my mom at her work, and she said she took him in to be put down earlier that morning. And just like that, Jeepers was dead. Greg and I never got to say goodbye, never got to pet him or feed him one last time. In our tiny little frames of rage, we destroyed Jeepers' doghouse with hammers. Out of what, I'm not really sure. Anger, of course, but directionless and without specific reason. Maybe reducing that little wooden house to kindling was our way of closure. It never worked. And we still resent her for it to this day. But then I got the privilege to be there for my cat, Jag, during his final moments. And I realize now that there is no easy way out. Whether you're there for it or not, when a loved pet dies, life fires a nail gun into your soul and leaves it there to rust until just enough time has passed for you to jostle it free, maybe, many years later. We got Jag and his sister Lynx before my sister was even born, which means Jag lived to be about 16, 17. It was always an unspoken rule of the house that Jag was my cat. There was his sister Lynx, and then the two Vem had kittens, uh, Tiger, Puma, and and Foo. <clears throat> but Jag was always mine. Him and I were a lot alike. We liked being alone away from everyone else, but we never minded each other. I'd wake up with him pawing at my back, and when I woke up, he would lay down on the carpet in the sun, coming through the window, waiting for me to join him. And I did. We'd lay in the sun, and I'd just tell him everything. Just talk about life, I guess. I suppose this is my version of prayer, confiding in a source, deepest fears, regrets, hopes, I mean, I knew he couldn't understand what I was saying, but I knew that he knew that I was communicating with him and only him. I mean, after all, we were the only two things in the room and he would look at me while laying there in my belly, falling asleep to my heartbeat. And when I was sick, he'd lay on the piano next to me and just watch over me. And when I was in a bad mood, he stayed out of my way. And when I was just sad, even on days I was sad for no reason at all, he'd jump up and rub his little head all around my hair and just purr until I sighed and just let all the bad shit in life fade away. Away from each other, Jack and I did our own things, obviously. I did my best to go about my life with as little contact with my family as possible. Jack would sit on the roof watching the city silently, not concerned about chasing birds or other cats. And when I got home, He'd be at my sliding glass door waiting to come in. I'd sit down, do my homework, and watch a movie while he sat on my bed. His sister Lynx eventually disappeared years ago, the way cats do when they're too prideful to let you see them wither away. One day we just simply never saw her again. We kept the uh, 
the screen door ajar in hopes of hearing that familiar sound of soft metal scratching and mewing, but never did. It was sad for a few weeks, but it was a calm and underlying sadness where everyone knew the truth about Lynx, but never said anything. We all just accepted it quietly in our own ways, and life went on. And then I moved out. I left my home, um, shall we say, under acrimonious terms. And while living on my own and finding my own path in life to become a man has been rewarding on many levels, one regret that I always had was that I had to leave Jag behind in hopes that my little sister would take care of him in my stead. When I returned home years later to pick up, I think, a guitar amp in my, that I left in the garage, I found a box in my old front porch. When I returned home years later to pick up a guitar amp that I left in the garage, I found a box in my old front porch. In it was a figure I couldn't recognize. Just a bag of brown and black bone and fuzz barely moving. I tilted the box and heard Jag's little meow, but it was weaker now. Barely audible, full of air. I could see his skeleton through his fur. As I reached out with both my arms to pull Jag in, he made that whiny groan that cats do deep in their throats when they're displeased with something but aren't capable of doing anything about it like a car ride he was light as a feather the heaviest thing about him was his collar I could touch his tail his belly, pet his back move his paws around in all the places where he would normally hiss or pull away he simply just laid there in my arms, purring. I couldn't understand. Jack was such a big cat. Not fat, just he was big. He was the biggest on our block. I've seen him take on three cats at the same time, and they all ran away. He turned dogs on their back if they even approached me. He jumped fences in single bounds. He can get to the top of the chimney in seconds. How could such a powerful and beautiful creature be reduced to this so quickly? So I called my sister and asked her what happened to Jag. And she said they took him to the doctor and there was something about his kidneys no longer working and he just wouldn't eat. So I broke the lock on the garage and opened up some cat food and sure enough, Jag was so weak he couldn't even lift his head to bother eating. He just looked at me, a few soft blinks, and then went back to his box. And I knew what was coming. A few days later, my sister called me and told me that my mom was taking Jack to the vet to have him put down. I drove there as fast as I could, speed limits be damned, she's not doing this to me again. I parked in the parking lot and marched in, and there was my mom and my sister with the box in her lap. Inside, Jag was standing, awkwardly, half up, half crouching, in a confused state of awareness. I reached in to turn him around, and he just stayed in that position, like a doll. 
His eyes were open, but he wasn't looking at anything. I squatted down to make eye contact, but even when I lined us up, he just wasn't there. The vet called Jag's name, and I signed some papers on a clipboard. I don't even remember. Let the pen hang off its string. I carried the box, somehow still not comprehending the events of what was happening. I was just carrying a box. And then I saw the metal table. Smelled the sterile air. The fluorescent lights giving everything a harsh, dull tone. The vet snapped rubber gloves on and gently dragged Jag out of the box. I heard his claws scratching the cardboard. A groan. Jag stumbled. Even though he couldn't physically react, somewhere in his mind, I knew he wasn't liking the cold surface. The doctor was asking me questions, but I was in my own world behind my sunglasses, looking at Jag, wondering what all of this meant. I just remember I kept nodding. The vet pulled out some clippers and shaved some of the fur from the inside of Jag's leg. More questions. More nodding in oblivious numbness. And then I saw the needle. And in one full, entire fleeting moment of all flashbacks, it came crashing down on me. Jack is going to die. Right now. first needle went in and Jag reacted immediately out of nowhere he came to life he began twisting and writhing and turning with all the strength of a feather I remember the veterinarian's command to hold him down echoed in my head so I grabbed what was left of the scruff of Jag's neck and held on I held on for as long as I could and at the same time I could feel him letting go and Jag, for the first time in weeks, looked at me. A tear fell on the lens of my sunglasses, blurring my vision. But I knew what was going on. Jag looked up at his owner of 16 years. And suddenly, after all the petting, all the moving, the talking, the hours of late in the sun, watching movies, the sneaking him food, going to the park, the vacations. Suddenly he had to be confused as to why this giant who had loved him for so long was suddenly holding him down as he was dying. Why isn't he helping me? Jag looked up at me and only me with his wide eyes, pupils constantly widening, dilating, and then narrowing searching for a reason why I was doing this to him. My teeth felt like plastic as I clenched them. I hadn't exhaled in a long time. A green saucy fluid began drooling from the side of Jag's mouth. And then... There is no happy ending to this. There's no cute moral of the story. 
no heartwarming final thought. Regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what people may say to me, all I know is that Jack looked up at me and in that tiny little primal brain of his, his final thought was why? And his green eyes closed for the last time. Hope I see you soon, buddy. I'll explain when I get there.